0: This podcast is brought to you by WeTransfer, the world's largest file transfer service. Since 2009, WeTransfer's free platform has been enabling creative thinkers around the world. Visit wetransfer.com today and see for yourself. Photography has the power to take us into worlds we know nothing about. I'm Lucy Pike, Photography Director at WeTransfer, and we've been working with the International Centre of Photography to showcase four image makers whose work does just that. From Nigerian gangsters to teenage insecurities, we'll explore how photographers break into worlds that aren't their own, how they build trust with their subjects, and the responsibility that comes with telling other people's stories. Thanks to the ICP and Wesley Verhove who've helped bring this project to life. In this episode, I speak to Rafaela Rossella about her project, You'll Know It When You Feel It, which documents social disadvantage in Australia and the effects it has on women in particular. This project shows a variety of beautiful, intimate portraits accompanied by images that set the scene. For example, a burnt out car covered in graffiti, washing lines or love letters. We chose this project because of its intimacy. I'm always intrigued by how a photographer takes such photos to be able to get someone to feel that comfortable to allow these moments to be captured. I began by asking Raffaella to describe the project.
1: It's sort of hard to describe in like a sentence because Mm. it's... Sort of evolved from basically ten years of work. So um, the work sort of started from the reaction that I had to my twin sister's pregnancy, um, which was quite negative, and it's you know embarrassing to admit, but um, I was quite angry when she told me that she was pregnant, and I told her, called her a slut, and told her to get an abortion. Because I thought she could have a better life but then I started questioning what is a better life and um, started really looking at the paths that we were expected to take as young women in our community which was having children young and, um, you know, we grew up in a um, low socioeconomic community so, you know, teenage pregnancy was pretty common and normal Um, and I guess the work has sort of grown from there. Um, I first set out during um, university to be investigating, you know, teenage pregnancy, but it soon evolved much broader than that and I was looking at more of um, the cyclical nature of social disadvantage in Australia and how that affects women in my life. So I've been documenting... My twin sister, my stepsister and new and old friends and looking at um, the complexities of their lived experiences. Um, and, yeah, it's it's hard to explain, really. <laughs> yeah.
0: And so when you started off to try and find these women, did you kind of start off with your twin sister and, and friends that you had and then did that go wider?
1: Yeah, so it's a weird story. Like I was documenting my twin sister and my nephew, so her son, for a class that I had at university called Social Documentary. And then I had my IP class, which was where you had to do like a long-term project. And I was like, oh, I'll do it on young moms, and I'll go and look for a couple friends that have kids. And so I reconnected with a girl called Tamara who I went to um, high school with. And I started, you know, like recruiting friends, looking at Tamara's story, my stepsister's story, and another girl who I knew growing up. And then my teacher was like, Why aren't you documenting your twin sister? Like, this is the whole reason why you started looking at these issues. And I, you know, ignorant to me, I was like thinking that. I wasn't allowed to document my twin sister because it was, you know, too easy, Mm -hmm. or um, which was, you know, such a myth because documenting my twin sister has been probably the most difficult um, out of all the girls. Um, But, yeah, that's how it sort of started.
0: And so what did you want to tell when you – it seems that you really have this um, connection to to the teenage pregnancy and younger women. What what did you want to show the world really about about this uh, subject?
1: I guess when I first started out, I wanted to look at the complexities of their lived experiences. So looking at how they they had different circumstances and these influenced the lives that they were living. And I wanted people to understand to actually consider the um, lived experiences that they had and the backgrounds and how that influences their experiences. But I wanted the people to sort of empathise and understand that um, they weren't going out and becoming mothers out of choice, really. Like, it was sort of a tacit response to the limited opportunities that we had growing up as women. That was... You know, when you, you're studying, you you always go out and go, oh, I'm going to do a story on this. And then you soon discover it's much more complex than that.
0: Yeah, it starts to kind of develop into... Yeah. yeah. Um, and so you've got this kind of quite um, complex story around, around what you want to tell. You've got these women, some of them you know. Um, how do you kind of start to create that trust with them that they, they're happy for you to photograph them?
1: Um, it's hard to explain because... A lot of the girls, so I basically document women who I've either grown up with or friends and family. I rarely document people that I don't know. Well, basically all the women that I document I've known for at least 12 years, mm-hmm. 10 or 12 years. Um, and then other girls I've known since we were like four years old, three years old, childhood. So um there already is a trust um, just from having a friendship. And, you know, over time you got to show respect and respect goes both ways. And these women, you know, I care about these women and they care about me. So I think there's that mutual kind of respect which I'm not there trying to earn something as well um, because we're both giving and taking. So, um, yeah, I... would I always get this question, like, "How do you get access?" I'm <laughs> like, mm. "It's not something that I seek to get. It's just something as having a relationship with someone and a friendship, and they've known me to have this camera all the time. It's just, it just happens. I don't, yeah, I it just kind really of how that. you are. Yeah, like,
0: yeah.
1: They just know. That, like some of the girls I haven't even haven't even seen for years, and I'll just. Like Tamara and Nundjo hadn't seen for many years. And I guess when you know someone and you've grown up with them, you instantly have a connection and reconnecting. There's not much, yeah, I don't know how to explain it hmm. really.
0: But there must be a bit of kind of awkwardness when even if you know the people that you all of a sudden get your camera out and then, well, for me, I'd always kind of feel this, apologetic like oh sorry I've got my camera I hope this doesn't make you feel uncomfortable so I would just how do you kind of overcome that that aspect of it if you um, know someone
1: well firstly you can read when someone's uncomfortable and I'm the type of person that doesn't keep photographing I'll put the camera down you know I've been in situations when there's been domestic violence and at those points I put the camera down and I'm there as a friend I'm not there mm to be documenting an incident but also with a lot of the women I started learning to use medium format so there was already this awkwardness of me trying to learn a new medium so um yeah they were along with it so I was awkward trying to figure out how to use this Hasselblad (laughs) and didn't know what I was doing and um yeah so I think they are probably laughing more at me. than.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe that helps then. Yeah. And so uh, when you say that you're kind of in those situations where you all of a sudden realise that you have to be a friend rather than a photographer, how do you kind of deal with that? How did that make you feel that you're in these kind of situations?
1: Uh, there's situations that I would be in regardless if I was there mm-hmm. with the camera or not. Yeah, like at times, for example, my twin sister... I chose to stop photographing her because of her ice addiction. Mm-hmm. Um I felt like I was enabling her addiction by photographing her, and she knew the way that I felt about it and so I just chose to stop photographing her. You know it's been hard on our relationship. we've definitely grown apart, but um for me, you know photographing your twin sister, especially your identical twin sister, it felt like I was looking at myself. Mm. So that was quite confronting, so um, yeah.
0: I guess it can be that photographing people you know is actually more intense than maybe people you don't know because then possibly you have kind of a disconnect from it. So with the things that you were just talking about, especially with your sister, there must be kind of a responsibility for you when taking these photographs to tell someone else's story in a way. So how how do you kind of deal with that?
1: Yeah, well, I guess, you know, there's always a responsibility no matter if you're friends with them or not but when you are friends with somebody and they or they're your your family, there's this massive burden of protecting their stories. A lot of times I get a lot of people trying to publish the work and I'm instantly trying to protect their story because people are trying to take them out of context or sensationalise their stories and these are people that I care about. So, yeah, I get quite anxious Mm. Yeah, in the end it's my responsibility about how their stories are perceived to a wider audience and I think every photographer should be taking that into consideration.
0: Yeah, I think especially when you're trying to represent a wider community or a story that you're telling, I think that can also then feel like it's not only a responsibility to the people in the photographs but also for you, the background that you've grown up in, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, that's... A big thing that is taken out of context or sensationalised is my upbringing. My town that I grew up in in Australia is quite notorious for its open drug culture, so I get a lot of publications trying to sensationalise my background, which sort of implicates the girls that I photograph because not all of them are from Nimbin. Mm -hmm. So I had one publication, have the headline of the story young mums from drug capital of australia so right i freaked out yeah like the girls are fine i don't even know if they even saw it but like you know the amount of anxiety that i had to see that their photos were taken out of context mm. especially when um only one of the girls in the photos were actually from nimbin so
0: yeah it's hard to then realize that that unfortunately can happen with a project that you've kind of put together and then you you kind of want to protect the women that you're that you're photographing and so you haven't had any negative feedback specifically in the community
1: surprisingly i haven't had any negative feedback even by trolls Mm. like on the internet Mm -hmm. which now terrifies me but I think it all comes down to the way that I photograph the women, you know, it's very subtle and intimate and, you know, I'm not there to sensationalise their stories. I tiptoe around a lot of issues and only subtly highlight, you know, little things. But, um, you know, if you're careful and soft in the way that you tell stories, people aren't going to attack them you know if you have respect for the people that you photograph it's hard for someone to you know turn around and attack them Mm. but yeah and in the community actually when this um article was released with that heading everyone from my community was like supporting me and was saying you know ignore it don't worry we all know that you care about these women and The article's fine, it's just the heading's terrible and, Mm. um, yeah, so I've been lucky on that that side, That's definitely
0: a credit to you to have that kind of support, I think.
1: Yeah, like I feel like I self-sabotage myself a lot and say no to a lot of opportunities. Mm. But in the end, first and foremost, I want to protect the girls. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing.
0: So you briefly just touched on um, how you photograph the women. I kind of wanted to talk about your creative process within that. And the series that I've seen is a lot of different ways of storytelling. So I was wondering if you could give me an idea of the creative process around this project.
1: It's a lot of like going and hanging out with my friends Mm -hmm. and um, sitting on couches and watching TV and not really doing much. I don't photograph much. Mm. I used to photograph a lot before I had kids and then I had to sort of change my process to include a lot of portraiture because I didn't have time to immerse myself the same as I did before. Mm. But three of the women are currently, not only two are incarcerated at the moment but um, I had three of the girls incarcerated at the same time so a lot of my time I was doing visitations at jails and just visiting them, writing letters. So there wasn't really any photographing going on. Yeah, it's, it's a weird process. Like I collect a lot of documents. I'm sort of fascinated by the way the system uses bureaucracy as a form of violence. Mm-hmm. So I collect a lot of documents such as child protection documents, police documents, jail letters, things like that. Um, And I don't know how I'll use them, but... um, And the girls participate in that as well. Like, they send me documents, they save me documents. So there's, like, a collaborative aspect to it behind the scenes as well. Mm -hmm. Even when um, Roro had her baby, when she was incarcerated, I took baby John back to her family. We jumped on a train for eight hours and um, I took him home. So there's a lot more than just photographing that goes on, yeah, and, and
0: I would say also when you look at the project, like you said, there's a lot of intimate portraits. There is almost this collage feel of these different points of time, which I guess now knowing the project was ten years long, you can really feel. Yeah, and so I guess it's that not only are you photographing, but you're also very involved in these in these women's lives.
1: Yeah, like it's I come and go in and out of their lives because we don't live close to each other, but I'm definitely documenting different aspects and um, times in their lives. I try to be there when, especially when Roro was having a baby in jail, I couldn't let her do it on her own. So, yeah, I just make sure I'm there when when they need support as well. Yeah. I'm lucky enough that I work for a community arts organisation called Beyond Empathy and they work in the town that a lot of the girls that I photograph live in. So I get to go there a lot recently, but um, but they live six hours away from me. So it's right.
0: Okay, yeah, it's far to travel to. Be. It's not
1: easy, like yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, two of the girls are in jail in Sydney, which is twelve hours mm. away.
0: And so, are those women the same age as you? Uh,
1: Tamara is no. Tamara and Gillian are a year older than me.
0: Okay, that must be when you're saying about your sister with the drug addiction, and then these two girls being in jail the involvement emotionally must be quite a a toll on you in terms of watching this play out and how you support them and document it so other people can see what's happening.
1: I guess when you grow up in those types of environments, you're very resilient and um, these types of things become normalised. But, yeah, it, it does get draining, especially just a lot of travel, and trying to like just the bureaucracy behind it like trying to contact the girls you know you have you can't ring the jail you have to like write to them and just simple things like that become draining I think the most draining part was being there when Tamara had her baby removed that was Mm. that that broke me Mm. but yeah like I think you become numb to it.
0: And so when you've been shooting for 10 years, you've had all this kind of emotional up and downs while you're doing it. How do you put it together to feel like a project you're happy with? I feel like that would be an impossible task.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I wish you had the answer. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'm terrible at archiving. So I have stuff everywhere. I have like a filing cabinet of just objects. To be honest, I don't know. I'm trying to work that out. I've been told I need to stop holding on to their stories and get them out there but at the same time I'm so protective of them. Mm -hmm. I don't want to get them out there when they haven't been refined and I want the girls to know that they're happy with their stories as Mm -hmm. well. So, um, yeah, I guess there's a lot of pushing forward and then taking steps backwards and yeah, I don't know, I need to... (laughs) I wish you had an answer for me. Like, yeah.
0: But do you work with any other photographers to kind of help with that? Do you have anyone?
1: Yeah, I have a really close um, my supervisor from university, mm-hmm. my honors supervisor, um, Kelly Hussey Smith, um, has been invaluable throughout the whole process. Um, Sorry, I, I contact her all the time. <laughs> Every time I have a question, I'm like, should I do this? <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm quite. I sort of keep to myself and I don't show my work a march because they're so it's confusing for someone that doesn't understand their stories, mm-hmm. whereas Kelly has been there from the start, right so she can understand their stories. Mm-hmm. So the minute I try and ask someone an outsider who doesn't know their stories and hasn't been there for those 10 years or so, they can't get their head around it because it's so complex. Mm. So it's not something you can really, you know, try and get advice on. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, I should probably show my work more.
0: (laughs) When you say show your work more, what's your ideal way of showing it? Is it an exhibition? Is it a book? Is it releasing the story separately? How do you feel this project should be
1: shown? In an ideal situation, I think. My aim is to create this kind of felt experience Mm -hmm. which would be an installation Mm -hmm. because I collect a lot of audio as well. I've just started collaborating with uh, a cinema photographer and directing um, 16mm film as well which is only totally early days Mm -hmm. but my long-term goal would be to create an immersive experience where people could come away having changed their perspective on young women mm. experiencing, you know, these these kind of um, lived experiences. Mm-hmm. So um, that's the ideal, yes. but um, how long that takes me, who knows. <laughs> Thanks to
0: Rafaela for taking the time to speak with us. For this podcast, WeTransfer teamed up with the International Centre of Photography's ongoing series entitled Projected, where you can literally see the images projected onto the windows of the ICP Museum. To hear more about this, go to icp.org projected. Check out wepresent.wetransfer.com to see the images we discussed. And if you're on Instagram, you can follow us both at ICP and at WeTransfer. Thanks for listening.